Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Raising Your Gifted Children right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest, I pray I can get his name right, is Shirag Shemason. Did I do any honor there? Did uh, I do Shemassian, right? yeah. Shemassian. Thank you. Thank there you we for go. Um, he has a wonderful program. It's like uh, he's 20 years, a super smart administrative nerves have helped thousands of students get accepted into America's top colleges, medical schools, law schools, and unprecedented rates using his exclusive approach. And he would love to do whatever it takes to help your children achieve an education and their career goals. He is the founder of Shemison Academy Consulting and one of the world's foremost on medical school admissions, college admissions and graduate school admissions. And for nearly 20 years, he and his team have helped thousands of students get into the school of their choice using the systemic propriety approach. Uh, you know, we're gonna go right into it right here. Education is something that is the ticket to success and if you don't have that right education many doors are going to get closed to you but getting into the right school and doing what you really love to do is always the ticket that we're looking for so what welcome to the show first of all thanks for having me sarah appreciate it um, what made you decide to go down this path? You've been doing it for 20 years. You don't look much older than 20 yourself, so you must have started this in kindergarten. So what made you see the need for a system that helped people get into the school of their choice or the school they needed to be in? Sure. Yeah. So it wasn't starting in kindergarten. Uh, maybe it's, you know, me being in California and drinking, I don't know, green smoothies or whatever. Uh, it agrees with you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it helps. Maybe I don't drink it enough though. Um, all right, cool. So um, as far as, you know, how I got into this, uh, it certainly wasn't something planned. Uh, you know, it's, and I, and I bring that up because I know a lot of the, you know, folks that you've spoken with Sarah have, you know, non-conventional paths to, mm -hmm. to their careers and, um, through their education and life. And, and I guess mine, uh, mine is similar. So it's, I don't hear any kids telling me that they want to help people get into top colleges one day. I've never heard that as a career choice uh, among, you know, high schoolers, but my, um, my path was, you know, a little bit interesting in that my parents immigrated to this country and uh, they had no idea how to pursue undergraduate education here, you know, and what it takes to, to be successful with the admissions process. It's also very strange here uh, in the States where around a lot of the world, you take a test and depending on how you do on that test, you get to go to school A or school B or school C. Um, it also, you, you also get a choice of certain careers, but not others. And America is very different in that you have to do all the academic work but then you have to talk about yourself in an interesting way and share your qualities. It's a very American thing we take for granted here, right? Um, it's, it's our bias. And, and so I wanted to, you know, go to a good college, but I went to a very small high school uh, that was, you know, all uh, basically all Armenian teachers. 
Um, I went to a small Armenian high school. And so many of, most of them hadn't gone to uh, school in the States either. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a little bit of a blind leading the blind situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me to be successful with that process, I was, I had to be self-taught and learn, okay, what does it take to go to great schools? And so I read everything I could, studied everything I could and had my own success and was able to, you know, go to Cornell, graduate from there, um, you know, got tons of scholarships, didn't have any debt and stuff like that. And along the way, people were always asking me for help. They were saying, hey, how'd you get in? How'd you get all this money? How'd you do all this? And so just started helping people. I was like, oh, here, let me show you. And then they were getting in and then they were telling other people. And I just developed, uh, I just developed a, a great interest in this. I think initially it was driven out of self-interest, mm -hmm. um, but there was also sort of an interest in like what's behind what's behind the curtain right i felt like you know growing up with educator parents uh you know solidly middle class i was like there's a there's something else right there's something that others know that i don't and all this kind of stuff and so by having my own success and helping other people and developing a passion for you know helping people develop or you know pursue the education and careers they wanted i i said you know what i I really enjoy this. Uh, I think I'm good at it and that people are finding great value in it. And then, you know, I had caught a bit of a, an entrepreneurial bug too. So I was like, I'll start it a little bit on the side or whatever. So it wasn't like, um, it's not like I went into this at all thinking, oh, you know, I'll, I'll have a consultancy where I'll help, you know, all these different students It just sort of grew organically. Um, and, you know, as much as I tried to pr pursue other things, it always kept calling me. Yeah. Uh, and here I am today and have, haven't really looked back. What did you actually study? So I did my PhD in clinical psychology. So I was pre-med all through college, did very well, had a 3.9 GPA, was gearing up to apply to med school, decided to pivot um, and, and do clinical psychology because I was doing a lot of mental health research. I myself grew up with Tourette's syndrome. And so I was always driven uh, to, to learn more about that stuff. And so after school as well, I was, again, I was doing work in the mental health field and, and still helping students. Uh, and then when, you know, the word of mouth and all that growth um, sort of became, got to the point where, you know, I could do this full time, I just really enjoyed it. So I, I, I took the plunge. I always say that a career chooses you if you allow it. Um, you know, um, taking the psychology, well, you use that psychology in the work that you do because mm -hmm. somebody go, I want to get into law school. And you look at them and go, there's nothing about you that's a lawyer. This is yeah. parent's choice, not your choice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to actually even talk to the student or talk to the family because very often kids are pressured by their sure. parents. Um, they think that everybody's got to be a doctor or a lawyer to be successful. And that is not the case today. But in fact, um, being an entrepreneur, is uh, is where most of the success rate is today. Um, it's you know I think having that ability to to hear a, a, a kid, what is it you want to do? What are your passions? What are your convictions? Which yeah. school would be good for you? Why do you want to do it? And then taking off all the expectations is going to have a kid go into a school of choice and really succeed at it because they want it. Yeah. Right. That's a really important factor. I mean, I have to say that most of the people I've interviewed have had a redirect through some circumstance, but many of it was. I'm 40 and 50. I've reached high success. I loathe my job. Mm -hmm. And really what I love to do is X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So they take their expertise and they apply it to X, Y, and Z and become successful at that. But it's something that they always wanted to do, 
but the expectations were that they need to go and do that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you can catch a kid at that cusp and really get them, what is it that you want? What is the passion? What is the conviction? Right. You can guide them so much easier into the right direction with right. the right mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I get this question a lot, Sarah, like, can you help my child find their passion? <laughs> um, and it, I think the I think parents are sometimes really they're anxious. Yes. Right. Um, and, and not anxious about, you know, anything bad happening to their kid, but like their their child not maybe getting to the level you know, academically, career-wise, financially, or whatever it is that, that a parent is concerned about. Security. Security, exactly. And, and you know, like uh, that, I talk about this a lot with my parents. In fact, I recorded a YouTube video about what I learned about growing up with immigrant parents. And security was a big thing. You know, my parents fled a civil war and they wanted us to have, you know, go to school, get a good job with benefits and all. And there's nothing wrong with that. These are all good things. Um, however, if, it, if we buy into that, so much where we're giving our children very narrow options, mm -hmm. it ends up becoming an issue because students might not pursue it um, at the level that you wanted them to pursue it or with the same sort of vigor. And, and so passion is something that like, it, you don't, uh, you don't decide your kid's passion for them. They also, it doesn't also uh, hit them over the head. Like, you know, Isaac Newton with the, with the apple falling on his head, right? It's not like that. You don't wake up one day and know what your passion is. Ah, I really, okay. I want to, you know, grow lettuce. It doesn't work that way. Um, you actually have to do stuff and over time you'll learn what you like and you don't like. So, um, you know, for me, it was a lot of that, you know, I had a sense of what I wanted to do, but I learned along the way that, you know what, I actually like this other thing more, or I question what about that do I like? Yes. Or what population do I want to serve? And then you make decisions from there. So if you, you know, my story, I think is pretty classic in that way. It's like, well, I did it uh, because I, you know, I, I want to get into a good school, found I, it was really interesting to me, helped other people, enjoyed it, did it over time, enjoyed it more. Uh, develop more skills and success. And that's the passion, you know, no one would have, uh, it, it's not like at 12 years old, I knew that medical school admissions was my passion, right? you know, and there would have been no way to find that out unless I had done it, unless I had just followed that thread. Right. Yes. Uh, sorry, this picture comes up every time. No <laughs> it's, a, it's like, go with the wind. Right? Yeah. Allow. Your, your passion is that sitting <laughs> yeah. on that beach. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> My brother was a wordmeister very young. Uh, so for him, he knew he wanted to grow up to be a writer. Mm. And, you know, he has his written many a book and he's, um, he's taught uh, literature. And, uh, you know, it, it's still today his passion. And that was at the age of six. Uh, with me, I was very sickly child. So I wasn't even expected to finish school, never mind go to anything. It was like, hope she makes a good marriage. You know, that was the only expectation that they had on me. Um, but my passion was, um, was people and just an, a sense of knowingness. It was always a spiritual knowingness of what people needed to know when they needed to know it. I was a channeler. But it, there was the stigma of growing up that unless you were on your way to becoming one of those labels, lawyer, doctor, this, that, something mm -hmm. successful, that, you know, you, even the plumber back in those days, yeah. or just a plumber, well, you look at plumbers today and they're making more money than the lawyers mm -hmm. and the doctors. So uh, careers have shifted over time, haven't they? 
in their importance, in their security, in, in their income. And so, you know, we, we have to broaden that spectrum of what else is out there is available. Right, right. And I think it comes down, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to service and what people mm-hmm. needs and how, what people need and how well you fulfilled that service. Yeah. I mean, the I love the plumber example, uh, Sarah, because I don't know, um, I don't know if you own your home or rent your home or whatever, but if you've ever had to call someone for service work, yeah. um, you know, I live down in San Diego. My plan is always call five plumbers, <laughs> two will answer the phone or call you back, and only one will show up, and that person gets the job. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, uh, you know, people have this sense that oh, you know, I have to do this job to you know to be successful financially or all this kind of stuff. But if you do something, anything very well, you serve a lot of people and you serve them very well, you'll probably be fine, you know. Um, And I bet there are a lot of plumbers who don't do as well, but I promise you the ones who show who pick up the phone and show up are doing well. So a lot of it, it comes down to shedding what we think Mm -hmm. is going to lead to success or whatever, right? Look, if you want to be a physician, for example, uh, I work in medical school admissions. My brother is a physician. I, I, you know, many family members who are, and um, I think it's a terrific job for, for many, many people, Um, you know, and it's still going to give you an amazing, like if your focus is on like hourly pay, it's still fantastic, right. Um, (laughs) Of, of profession. So no, no knock there. But if, but if someone's wondering, well, do I have to be a physician Mm -hmm. if I want to achieve a certain level of success or fulfillment? The answer is no. You know, if it aligns with what you want, great. But if not, you certainly don't have to do it. It's also a long road. It's not the most efficient way to do pretty well, right? It's a lot of years. It's a lot of loans, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, you have to think about the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, not just not just in the short term. Right. And so that, you know, if you focus on that, well, what's the opportunity cost? What else could you have done? How could you have invested that in all these different things? There are different paths to achieving success. I had somebody on at the beginning of COVID where they were talking about pivoting careers Mm. and uh, it wasn't um, a line of work that he was in, but he was promoting an organization that would train people to do coding because Mm. they were desperate for coders. Yeah. And of course, coders could work from home. They could work from an hourly rate. They would train them how to code. And when we look at basically, it used to be perhaps every decade, you would look at a different form of career, you know, leading the pack. Now it just seems to be every other year. And when you're looking at the, you know, the, the, the computer or digital world today, mm-hmm. I mean, there's massive opportunity in there. And yet, there aren't necessarily the schools for it. You mm-hmm. know, it just seems to be they get um, apprentice job or, you know, learn it somewhere. But are you finding that there's a lot more uh, pivoting towards that today? In that specifically? World? Yeah. You know, I, it's interesting. So a lot, I would say 10 years ago, you know, if a student came to me, and they were doing a lot of work in, you know, coding their own apps or software programs or robotics or whatever. It would be it would be more unique uh, or it would be less common be, these, be, days, yeah. these days. These yeah. days, uh, it seems like, you know, every other student got coding, robotics, AI, all this kind of stuff. Again, nothing wrong with that. Some people are going to be better at it than others. So it's um, it's it's something that's incredibly popular 
Um, it's something obviously, you know, so many of the jobs we're going to have in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years are going to be related to, you know, programming and, and all these kinds of things. So it's a good way if you're looking to, you know, have, have the skills you need for, for the future. Um, I do also have several friends um, in their 30s, 40s who, uh, you know, who are looking for a career change, mm-hmm. whether, whether their industry got wiped out or significantly changed during COVID. Yeah. or they simply want to do something else. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, had uh, degrees in, in completely unrelated yeah. fields. Maybe they were in law or hospitality or whatever. And now they're, uh, you know, they're going to coding, getting coding certificates so they can find jobs and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's probably the number one thing I see for, for career changers, basically getting into software engineering or some sort of programming. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a mindset for that. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, anytime I have to, you know, upgrade anything and uh, just do this and that, it, it is a totally different language to me that I yep. can't get a hang out of it. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it's oh yeah, I can just write code, no problem. Da 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 da. So yep. I, you know, rather like, don't go and be a doctor if you don't like the sight of blood. You know, right. so it's it's. I think that what is not encouraged in schools is that question of what is it that you really do love to do? What is it Mm -hmm. that you absolutely don't want to do? What are you suited to do? Because Mm -hmm. you may have people, oh, I want to be this because they've bought the package. But really their temperament and everything about them, you know, is not suited to that job. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, it varies from student to student. Um, You know, you have to, if, if a student, one of the questions I like to ask is, what would you do on a Saturday if you had nothing else to do? And, you know, if someone's like, well, I, I want to work on this program and all this kind of stuff, that's a very different thing than someone who says, well, I just want to go do bird photography or something like that. Not that what you want to do on a Saturday, if you could do anything, you know, should determine your career choice. But sometimes you hear if something's lower on the list, yes, chances are they're not you know, itching to do that. Right. right? Um, and so that's, you know, that's something you absolutely have to think about. Um, but then also, you know, the questions I like to ask students also include, uh, what population do you want to serve? And what problems do you want to solve? Mm-hmm. And those and those answers really guide decision making. Because, you know, let's say you want to support the elderly, and you want to do it through making sure that they get um, great health care or something like that. Well, how can we do that? Well, you can become a physician, and you can do that. Well, you can start, um, you know, you can, uh, who knows, go into uh, assisted living, mm-hmm. and help people, uh, you know, get the services that they need, you can maybe use software to, to connect them with the right care provider. So the problems you want to solve and the ways you want to solve them are very telling uh, about the type of work that you might want to do in the future. Like I love, I love working with young people, um, you know, adolescents, young adults. Um, I love helping students, you know, pursue what they wanted, especially if they've been told that it's a bad idea or, (laughs) you know, that's uh, all that kind of, I love that. And so, um, you know, there could have been other ways for me to for me to pursue that work, right? Or 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 quote unquote address that issue. Um, but the way I, I like to do it is is through admissions. Um, and so that's that's how I like to think about students. What what problems do you want to solve? Whom do you want to serve? And what do you like to do on your free time? Um, and, and that those questions I think can really drive a lot of good decisions. You see a lot of people who do their first year or their second year in a particular something and then suddenly change course altogether. Yes. And, and, and that is 
we've got to remember they need some life experience. You know, I yes. personally would say to every kid, if you are not absolutely, you know, determined, I'm going to do this, this is my passion, this is what I want to do, then you can go straight to college if you want to. But, it, you know, if, if you aren't sure, go and take a life of living. Go and take a life of volunteering, of traveling, of experiencing, because that's going to change your mind. And it's also going to bring out in you, you know, what really matters. Because when something really matters to you, that's where you really want to serve it. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't got the life skill, then how do you know? Would you recommend that for kids? Go and get some life under your belt first? It depends where they are. If they're floating. Yeah. You know, um, then then they might need to try a few different things um, versus someone who's very, you know, focused. Mm -hmm. So there are different kinds of students. There are some students I know who, you know, ever since they were six years old, they want to be a physician. Yeah. And then they become a physician and they love it. You know, so it's not um, uh, I hope no one takes this as, you know, me trying to steer people. Not at all. I, no, you know, no. I think students, you know, should do should do um what it is that that they're drawn to but there are some students who don't know um at, and, and so they can you know they can try different things see see what they don't like which i find is just as important as finding out what you do like you know before you commit yourself wholeheartedly to these different fields so if you're you think you're interested in law go get a legal internship yeah if you think you're interested in writing go write mm -hmm. uh, get an internship in that or you know start a bar or whatever if you find that um if you find that you're enjoying it whether or not you're having the success as fast as you wanted, that's telling also. For instance, some people say, I want to write. Okay, start writing. And they're like, well, no one's reading my blog. And if you're getting frustrated and you don't want to do it anymore because of that, then you probably shouldn't be a writer. Right. Um, because, you know, there will be hard times in, in everything that you do. Not your career won't shape up the way you necessarily thought it would. But if you're committed to that endeavor, then you'll like it. So if you're completely unclear then sure, go travel, go figure out, you know, what it is that you like. Maybe you do, you develop an interest uh, while you're just in your own head, walking somewhere else. You know, it's like, uh, why do some of our best ideas come in the shower? It's yes. because we're finally, we unplug for a second and let our subconscious take over. And when you're traveling, I think, and you're present, you're in the moment and stuff like that, things can hit you. Um, and it doesn't require travel, but just having some unstructured time to think and reflect really helps. And you know, I think also the volunteering, you know, if uh, mm -hmm. if there is something that you, you know, is is a cause for you or something you don't think is right, mm -hmm. then how can you, while you're at school, go and volunteer? Mm -hmm. uh, a, you will find out if this is the avenue you want to be in. B, you will find out in which way to serve. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the needs of that avenue and what is it about you that could bring that? Then you can go to school to get the proper training so you can truly help them. Sure. But that clarification there. So it's, you know, it's not like, well, you know, I'm in, um, I'm in my last, you know, year of 12th grade and I've got to apply to colleges now. I guess I'll just do this. Yeah. Um, you know, A, it's expensive, right? Uh, in, college isn't about parties. And especially the parties now, you know, for the next couple of years, we're not going to see that kind of partying that used to be, not with COVID mm. still around. Um, but a lot of people do kind of look at the college years as, oh, this is party time. This is fun time. And they don't really take it seriously, do they? Yeah, it varies. You know, I think that some students who, you know, who haven't developed um, clarity about what it is that they want to do might do their floating in college. Yes. Right. And so an expensive what, float. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive float. Um, and, you know, some people, yeah, might, you know, focus 
much more on socializing than academics and all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong. I think so, uh, socializing is a, is a big part of the college experience, building friendships, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in colleges, uh, many students change majors at least once. Yeah. So that's already indicative of, you know, students don't necessarily know from the get go what it is that they want to do. And that's just normal in today's, you know, growing up in North America. Yeah. You know, if you're, you know, that's just part of it. So, so when we want to say, well, at, you know, 14 years old, what's the passion, all that kind of stuff, the data in college with changing majors alone tells us that people just don't know. And that, and that, that should be seen as a, as a typical experience rather than a, a cause for alarm, you know, oh my gosh, my kid doesn't know hundred percent what they want to do at 15, you know, that's okay. Um, you know, they'll, people will, will come around to the right thing if you let them. We're under the label of raising our gifted children because, you know, we as parents will think our children are gifted. And actually, every child does have a gift. It's just a question sure. of whether it's ignited or not, right? Yeah. Whether we nurture it or not. And I think one of the pressures which we talked about earlier is parents' expectations of what they want the children to have because of security and status and everything else in the world. We want them to have the best. And we can put pressure on them. But if we look at that child and look at what they're really great, are they great with building Lego? Have they got ability to see patterns? You know, are they great at solving problems? You know, are they great at solving um, argumentative issues? Are they, you know, um, entertainers? And I think as parents, we really owe our children up. Oh, he's going to be back in a moment. He's just going to repress. Here. That's okay. That's all right. You know, blackout, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> But we have to really pay attention and listen and watch our children as to really where their aptitudes are, what really lights them up and mm -hmm. be the nurturers to guide them along that way and let them explore those options. But there's a lot of pressure always to put on what we want them to be rather than what they are and nurturing them to be. And, you know, you look at these shows today of kids you know, saying the darndest things or, you know, let's America's got talent and things like this. And some of these kids are just unbelievably gifted so young. And I think if we could water that and just let it grow into what it should grow in, then we would know mm -hmm. where they need to go in order to really advance. So mm -hmm. there's really a lesson to be made um, to our children, to our parents, isn't there? Pay attention to your child, listen to them, encourage them allow them to be multiple different things they want to be until they find that something that that they're really interested in yeah absolutely i mean the the you're basically talking about the looking at it from a strength space perspective yeah. right yes. so we we often think about the the end goal mm -hmm. as parents right they should be x but yes. you're saying well what are they good at like is it visual spatial is mm -hmm. it verbal is it uh like emotion regulation and intervening in you know interpersonal issues and all that kind of stuff because those skills are better suited for certain jobs than others so if the person's you know if person's highly highly verbal and incredible at you know managing interpersonal relationships and you know diffusing tense situations whatever um coding <laughs> is not where you yes. best take advantage of that. <laughs> right. You know, maybe mediation yes. is or becoming a psychologist is or or whatever the case might be, right? Um, versus somebody else who's hyper analytical and, and things like this, what they're going to be naturally drawn. We all like to do things we're good at, right? Yes. Uh, and sometimes we enjoy things that we're mediocre at and, and we do it for fun and that's great. 
Um, but, you know, we, we tend to like to do things that we're good at. And so, you know, you can find a lot of success in, in any area um, so long as you, um, as you, you know, continue to hone those skills. Do you find that there are some children that it doesn't matter how much, you know, the parents want you to get them into university, that it, they're just not university material, that they're perhaps better going more either an entrepreneurial way or apprentice way? So I'll be, I'll be biased, uh, or, or, ah, excuse me, I'll call out my bias. So right. the, the folks who reach out to me uh, tend to be the parents of students who are very high achieving, highly academically oriented and things like that. So it's very rare for me to get a call from someone who says, you know, my kid just doesn't know what to do. They're, they're average middle of the pack students. Can you help that? That's, that's not my, um, I guess okay. not where I operate really. Okay. Um, so that's, I'll call out my bias. Now, are there students that I believe, you know, have a, you know, have a good mind for business. They're highly reliable, good with their hands, might be better served in a certain vocation, like being a plumber and mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur in that sense. Absolutely. Um, there are those students. Um, those aren't the students who come to me, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'll just, I'll just put that out there. So you specialize in the kids that have got the beyond smarts and they're just really looking, they maybe already know where they want, what they want to achieve, but it's where they're going to achieve it, which is the best school. How do they get into it? How do and, they get there? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not just the grades, is it? You know, it is, no. it is the temperament, you know, can they sell themselves? Yep. You know, to, to the administrators, because it's not just a question, you know, a lot of people have that good grade thing. Uh, you're in competition with a lot of people, but the, mm -hmm. they're always looking maybe more for the go-getters or the people that yep. are more um, self-driven mm -hmm. rather than the people that need to be pulled out. Yep. Yeah. The thing is, like, we're talking about gifted students and, you know, it's sometimes we forget in our daily lives just how many of those people mm -hmm. there are because we're in our own bubbles yeah. always. So if I go to a high school and let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm in the, the Bay Area in California and I go to a great high school, my child's in the top 5% of their class. Um, and, and so now it's like, well, now I expect my kid to go to Princeton or Northwestern or all these kinds of places. Well, uh, they're in the top 5% of their one school mm -hmm. in that region and they're being compared to other students who are at that level across the country. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at it, yes, percentage wise, there are very few students who are high achieving at that level. But from a total number standpoint, there are tens of thousands of mm -hmm. them every year across the country. And so you realize very quickly, you know, it's a the people you're competing against when you're at that level are of a certain ilk, yes. right? You're not competing with all the students in the country. You're competing with all of the best students. And across the country, given our population, there's a non-trivial number of those people. So grades are not enough. Being smart is not enough. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes when students do very well in their home school, they've always been in the top whatever percent of their class. We just assume they're going to, you know, achieve at that level, no matter what. Well, if you put all the top five percenters in the same school, most of those people by definition aren't going to be top five percenters anymore. Right. Right. right? And I think that's hard 
um, for people to get. Mm -hmm. Because every year we read these statistics are about, you know, admissions rates at top schools and they get lower and lower and they freak us out. Except at the end of the day, you know, you'll see a, you know, Stanford acceptance rate, less than 5%. We think, boy, that's hard. And then we're shocked when it happens to us, Mm -hmm. which is, which is funny from a logical perspective, but emotionally it's hard because, you know, you'll never, even though it's much more likely you will get rejected, you, you never think you're part of the 96%. You think you're part of the 4%. Right. Otherwise you weren't, and that part of that is good. You have to, you have have to believe that because Mm -hmm. you have to go for it. And I love that. But I just pointed out because, you know, it's an emotional process for people. And sometimes we try to distill it into grades, test scores, percentiles, all these kinds of things. But we have to develop the leadership skills, the qualities to write about it in these essays to understand, okay, what what do these schools mean to me? Is it just the education? No, it's not. It, It means we've made it, you know, the this you know, this idea of security and going to the best place so then you can get the best job and be in the best financial situation. It starts early. And that's why we think about college admissions so much, right? We want to make sure that we're planting the rights, putting our kids in the best possible position to succeed. And we think it's purely academic, but it's highly emotional. It tells us as parents, we raise them well, our kids going to be okay because they got into X, Y, and Z. And, and sometimes, you know, if, if that doesn't happen or they get into a great school, but not the number one school on their list, it's disappointing because it's not what you envisioned for them and for your quote unquote clan, you know? Um, so it's a really interesting, I think, dynamic. What about somebody who hasn't got the funding to get in there and they need that scholarship? You know, is, is there some penalization against kids like that? And as you said, the elite they're only going to take people with money and families with money you know is is that stigma still there or you know if somebody's really smart that doesn't come from money do they have an equal opportunity more so now than ever before oh good uh, to be quite honest so you know when you look at top schools they're they have higher endowments and they're more generous than ever um so i you know i went to cornell for my undergrad and most of my tuition was covered uh, by the school um, because of need-based aid. Like I said, I, you know, my parents are educators and there's no way we could have afforded, um, you know, that school, you know, maybe a tiny, tiny fraction, but, but nothing more than that. And so the top schools, like all the Ivy League schools, they don't actually provide any merit-based aid anymore because the students they admit are so good. Who do you give it to? Right. And so um, it's become fully need-based. And so if you're a student who, you know, whose family makes below a certain amount a year, you know, you're in the best position ever from a financial standpoint of, you know, getting aid from these schools. So I always encourage families to, you know, use these net price calculators and see what their family is going to be expected to contribute. Because sometimes families don't apply to certain schools because they think they won't be able to pay for them. Except some of the schools they're most worried about are also the most generous. Mm. And so you have to do your homework. Right. Um, and, and obviously, if you're very well off, you don't care. None of this matters to you. You pay full price. And then you have the families who are, you know, middle class or upper, especially upper middle class who do pretty well. But, you know, if your family makes 200,000 a year, 250,000 a year, 
especially when you consider taxes and stuff, it's not easy to afford $60,000 a year for tuition and room and board. You know, that's such a humongous chunk of your family's, uh, you know, earnings. And so you have to be mindful about where to send your kids. Yeah. And, you know, if nobody really wants to start their career off in anything with a massive student loan debt. And, you know, I've known so many people back in the day that they were in their 30s starting a family wanting to buy a home, but they still had the student loan yeah. debt that they had to pay off. And mm -hmm. and it just, you know, got in the way of living. So, yeah, is there more relief on that nowadays? Are we seeing kind of more leniency or is it still the same? It's pretty tough. Uh, mm. I mean, student loan debt uh, is at, you know, at or near all time highs. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's can be crippling. Um, you know, for a lot of for a lot of folks, especially in the states, and you know, I know that you know in the government they're always talking about how to, for you know, how much to forgive, whether to forgive, how do we have these repayment programs? Can companies uh, help you know provide benefits to pay down student loans? And and there are all these kinds of things, but it does impact your decisions later on. Yes. What career you have to pursue to pay this stuff off where to live, mm -hmm. um, all these kinds of things. And um, it's unfortunate if it, if it impacts you at that level, because then it's getting in the way of your major life choices, right? And so you have to, you have to ask yourself how important are different things to you? How important is, you know, this career, if it means it's going to come at this loan rate, when would you be able to pay that back and so on and so forth? Yeah, my, my daughter went back to school actually at the age of 27. Mm. She finally really decided what she wanted to do, which was social work. And uh, the, um, she fell pregnant last year uh, because she was in her 30s and wanted mm -hmm. to have a kid before she got much older and sure. just had one a few weeks ago. So, Congratulations. Yes, yeah, first time grandkid. Yay. Yay, and, grandma. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's for her, she she's got kind of one more term to go, which she's yes. been doing online anyway. So she'll pick that up and he's a wee bit older because right now as a newborn, you know, they're 24 seven. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> um, but for her, it's, she found out what she really wanted to do, but she still didn't quite know in which area. Was it kids? Was it elderly? Was it in, was it this or that? But just getting that under her belt, then she could choose kind of which area she wanted to be in. And it's, do you find there's an awful lot of people that really nowadays, um, go and work, maybe raise some money and, and go back to school later, you know, when they've maybe saved up a bit of money or something because straight out of the gate, they can't afford it. Yeah, you know, that's um, so again, uh, not really the the population that I serve you deal in with, day, yeah. day work. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are there are people who, you know, go to school. I, I have several friends now. It's funny you bring this stuff up, um, you know, personal friends who uh, maybe never completed their college degree mm -hmm. or they or they got something. But like you said, they're career changers and they want to go to school again. It is it is a whole different ballgame because now you have some money and you can actually, you know, afford it and pursue what you want to pursue. Um, and, and yeah, there's there's no there's no one path to get to, you know, where you want to be. So along the way, always evaluate, think about what I want to do, how I want to do it. And that never ends. It's not like you let's say, you know, we keep talking about being a doctor even being a doctor, right? Like you can change the setting you work in. You can yes. think about whether you want to join a hospital, do your private practice, do teaching, whatever. So it's not like once you get that degree, you're stuck. the book closes <laughs> yeah. or you're stuck or yeah. whatever. There's so much variance and there's so much flexibility within fields as well. Right. Do you find that um, even though that these kids are smart, that you're getting into college, you know, that 
they're about to get into a world that is highly pressured. Mm. Right? And it's, it's long hours, it's massive amount of, of studying. Um, you know, very often they may be on a bu budget of just, you know, noodles. Yes, we hear all the time students just eating yeah. noodles. Um, and it's, it requires and, and can be extremely competitive. And, you know, that, that process that you put them through, you know, are you looking, especially with your psychology degree, to see who could really take the pressure? Because it can really break some people, can't it? Doesn't matter how smart they are. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, also the pacing is different, right? Mm. When you're in high school, there's a lot of handholding, even if it doesn't seem that way. There's daily homework. The teacher's telling you exactly what to study. They're telling you what to bring in the next day. Um, you go to school, you go to the same classes every day. You're at home with your parents who are saying, did you do your homework? There's a lot of supports. There are a lot of supports in place. When you go to college, sometimes living alone, not going to the same classes every day. Some classes don't have homework until the paper or the midterm. And so you have to, you have to build good habits where you're studying every day, even if you don't have homework, mm -hmm. you have to stay on top of that stuff. Even if there's no specific assignment, um, you know, you could, you could always play, you could always play, but you don't have to study ever. Right. right. But you, but you, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then other students may be more, more or less competitive. Some schools may have harder curves than others. So yes, um, I do find sometimes students get shell shocked, you know, mm -hmm. the number of times are I've, I've had students who are applying to uh, medical school or grad school or whatever, tell me, Oh, like, you know, my GPA is not as high because I struggled freshman year, where do I write about that on my application? And I'm like, Well, why did that happen in the first place? Mm -hmm. And they're like, Well, I just wasn't used to the rigors of college, it was moving so quickly and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And so yeah, we have to help our students build that, um, you know, that I guess those those habits where they don't need mom or dad or a right. teacher to tell them every single day what to do. It, it's it's the balancing act of structure, isn't it? Yes. You know, in which they also need to make sure they do have at least a day to play, because if they mm -hmm. don't, then they're, they're not maturing psychologically, you know, socially. And, you know, that playtime right. or that relief time or exercise time or time for themselves is just as important as their work time, because otherwise they become become resentful of their studies. Yep. Yep. Totally. Which that balance is something you need to take into your life as well. So whatever you're of learning course. at university, beyond the knowledge of what you're studying, the pattern and the structure and the way that you study it is what you're going to bring into your workforce. So finding that happy medium and that balance, knowing your own triggers. Like yeah. I'm not going to take anything in today um, because I'm saturated. I need to download, I need mm -hmm. to switch off so that I can have a clearer head and, and yep. learning about yourself that way. But that comes through trial and tribulation, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. You have, and you have to build those habits early. You know, I, um, I, I'm not going to be one to say I, I'm perfect at building balance into my, not at all. Um, sometimes I work too much, right? Yes. Uh, and so those are, those are things that I have to be mindful of as well, especially as I become a father myself. And it's not just play. It's also making sure to devote enough time to my family and my yes. loved ones and all those kinds of things. So it's a dance that you know, all of us have to go through, even as adults, young adults, older adults. Um, and so, you know, we have to, we have to help you know, build those skills and those perspectives in our kids. Yeah.
what's the process that you take a kid through how does how does someone approach you and what how do you assess you know what they what they're ready for or what you know if they're ready for it yeah it's it's an ongoing thing so i mean at the start when you know family contacts me for support and what age should that be what grade should that be oh as early as uh the latter half of eighth grade really um you know as you're heading into high school because you know the earlier you start the more we can explore the more time we have to develop experiences the later you start the less influence because so much has been done and we have little time left. All, all we can do is help with the applications maybe. Right. And so, you know, some, it, it's usually driven by, we want to get into this college. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to think about that. Okay. Is the student high achieving enough? Okay. What courses should they take? Um, where should they focus their time? So, you know, if you're really interested in the sciences, you're going to spend more time in sciences than in the humanities. That's okay. Um, and then also, what are you going to do extracurricularly? And sometimes people ask me, should I get involved in this club? I heard this looks good and that looks good. Nothing is inherently better than the other. You just have to make sure that it's aligning and it helps tell a story about your background. You're pursuing things you like and at a deep level. So understanding early on trying different things and saying, did I like this? Yes, no. Why or why not? And then pivoting as needed to make sure that we're helping our students achieve at the highest levels. And over time, it changes, right? You get into 10th grade. Now you're talking more about standardized testing, when to take those things, whom to build rec letter relationships with. The number of times people get to, um, you know, get to the application and they say, who should I ask for rec letters? I feel like I don't have, I don't feel like my teachers know me that well. This is something we should have talked about years ago, right? Yes. So, um, and so that's the, that's the benefit of starting early. We get to game plan much better. Do you ever get to work with any of the teachers? very rare Mm. um for for a few reasons um for a few reasons it goes both ways sometimes families are very hesitant uh they don't want other families or teachers to know that they're getting outside support so and also for confidentiality reasons or what have you um but then also schools sometimes can can serve a little bit as gatekeepers Mm -hmm. um because they're you know if if you tell a college counselor or a teacher that you're getting outside help they might feel like are you saying, are you suggesting we're not good enough or we don't know this stuff or whatever? Oh, so there, there tends to be that, that <laughs> yeah. unfortunate dynamic. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be more than happy to work alongside schools, but uh, unfortunately I've noticed that there is that tension. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to that competitiveness is then it's not about the competitiveness, is it? It's about collaboration. Yep. It's about the kids. Yeah, it is. It is about the kids. How many kids, you've done this for 20 years, you know, how many kids have gone on to have really successful careers and now are back with their kids? <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, quite a bit. Like, uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, now that I've helped, you know, students get into top colleges and medical schools and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of crazy how fast it goes too. Sarah. like, sometimes it's like, oh, you helped me get into medical school. Do you also do residency admissions? We're like, yeah, we do. Wow, I can't believe it. I feel like just yesterday we were celebrating how you got into this medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, people get married and, and they have kids and um, it, yeah. And or like years later, hey, you help my cousin's kid, my kids. And I'm just like, whoa, this is, it's super cool. Um, like getting to know these people, at least through this one lens mm-hmm. and being part of, uh, part of their, you know, their story. Uh, it's pretty, I mean, it's really fulfilling. So you really do need kids that are participants in their own life. You know, mm-hmm. as you said, in high school, they've been told everything to do. In 
in university or college, they are having to um, think for themselves, choose for themselves, be proactive yeah. in their own lives. And it's a different mindset. So your system is to take them through that process at least four years before they're, you know, they're getting into university or applying for it to be prepared for, for their success. Because, you know, how many kids do go to university that aren't prepared for what they're, they're getting into right. and uh, do drop out or, you know, do get caught up in the partying and not in the discipline of it or find it too intimidating. So this preparation of the for this next chapter it also invites them to be a real participant in their own life because if they're not willing to do that they're never going to succeed at anything in life right um but it also eases them into it with more confidence of i can navigate this i'm prepared for it you know i've mm -hmm. i've got my parameters so they're more likely to socially interact better to be able to produce better and to settle in better into mm -hmm. that new format yep absolutely Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, students have to do the work. Yes. You know, um, we can, we can nudge them in the right directions, advise, but I can't do the work. I can't yep. take the tests. I can't volunteer for them on Saturdays. I can't, you know, and so it, it's ultimately for them. And I want to make sure that they're doing something that they actually enjoy and that their heart's in it. But isn't this what life is about? Anybody that you go to, whether you're in college or not, or people go to coaches for any reason, mm -hmm. they're there to guide you, to give you right. skills and tools that you right. have to apply. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have to walk your walk. What they're doing is just helping you walk it sturdily. <laughs> so you're mm -hmm. not going to fall over. But it's really the, everything that you're doing to prepare them for university is preparing them for life as well. Yep. Because they also won't be afraid later on in their own career to ask for help or to seek guidance from other people mm -hmm. in their specialty because uh, they won't feel I've got to do this all myself and it, there's some sort of stigma for me asking for help. Mm -hmm. They realize that through somebody else's expertise, it's going to help me be better at what I'm doing. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely true. It'll end up better that way. So how do people apply for your help? As you said, you want to get them in a kind of grade eight. How do, and is there a certain level is a, you know, is a, that they need to be at even to apply? Yeah, so, I mean, as far as certain level, no, I've never turned away a student because they weren't quote unquote good enough in, in some way. That's not, mm. that's not what I've seen as my role mm. to decide, you know, who's good enough or not. Um, it's more so to whoever wants help, you know, mm. Uh, as far as making sure that, you know, do you need assistance in pursuing the education you want? Do you want education to, or sorry, do you want assistance with getting the education and, and the career that you want? Um, because we can help steer you in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's much more so, you know, developing a sense of fit with families. Uh, I encourage anybody to reach out. If you go to our site, you know, shamasianconsulting.com, uh, I'm sure you'll link to it in the show notes. Um, there's a contact form. People can fill it out and reach me directly and be happy to assist. We do limit the number of students we support just because we want to make sure that we're supporting students at a very high level. Um, it's very intensive. Um, and, and sometimes people ask me like, well, you know, what makes you different or whatever? And I tell them off top, like, we're, I'm not the right person to support everybody. Right. Uh, we push our students. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, we keep talking about, well, helping your students figure it out and helping them explore all that kind of stuff. Not to be confused with, we don't push our students. 
um, because we do. And yeah. so students who don't want to work at this or who yes. aren't going to take it seriously, it's not the right fit um, because, uh, you know, folks will be disappointed if they're not going to work hard. They're not going to get the results from it that they're seeking. And so, but it has, and it has to be student driven in that way. Um, so people can reach out, we'll have a conversation. And if it's the right fit and students ready to work, then it'll be a treat. It's the same way of their success, even if they got into university anywhere. Right. You know, if you're not willing to work, mm -hmm. uh, why go? Yeah. You know, what benefit is going to be? It's just going to right. be a waste of time. And that applies to absolutely everything in life. Yeah, absolutely does. So will you please uh, spell the name of your site for those that are listening on audio? Sure. Yeah, you can type shamasian.com and it'll redirect you. So it's S-H-E-M-M. A S S I A N dot com. Excellent. Um, there's, I mean, you know, we're far away from it now with grandkid. He's only a few weeks old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I know that you know people really want their kids to have the best education they have, uh, they can, to have the best opportunities out there, the best choices out there. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you you know went into psychology and then you fell into this because this was was calling you. This is mm -hmm. where you were meant to be, but you sure. used your psychology to develop it. Mm -hmm. So nothing is wasted if you start with one thing and you pivot to another. Sure. Right, because yeah, you're no always regrets. going to take you're always going to take what you've learned forward with you, right? No regrets. But yeah. it's uh, the more you're prepared for things in life, anything in life, you the better you're going to be able to handle it. So mm -hmm. preparing the kids for college, um, you know, the right mentality, the discipline, the structure, um, the abilities, getting to know themselves and how to present themselves. Mm -hmm. which is not something that's necessarily been encouraged thus no. far. You know, it's they're taking ownership of, of themselves and their future. Yeah. So it's, it's a great platform to give them to start their lives with because yeah. university is one thing. That's when they're out there kind of learning to be independent. As I said, no more mom and dad saying, have you done your homework? That's right. Right. And uh, but but it also then becomes that wonderful structure that they'll take for them for anything in life and be successful right. at anything if they apply it. So. Right. So thank you for following your calling Appreciate and it. putting this together, because uh, it's the it is the trickle down effect when we do have these people being successful in whatever area they're in, they're more likely to motivate other people in their mm -hmm. lives because they understand what that structure is all about. For sure. So. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today and sharing this and for following your calling. And so if there are anybody out there that's got their kid and, you know, in America in grade six or seven, check them out because maybe this is a platform that you want to go and you want to investigate it. And it's never too early for you to start the process ready for you to take on the process for them to have the right process to go to university with so thanks yeah. so much for sharing thank with us thank you so today. much for having me sarah this was such a pleasure appreciate thank it you. until next time folks bye for now we hope that you enjoyed the show you will hear many many shows here at softdiscoverymedia.com we have new shows for you out every week just find them on our podcast or, or what's new if you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.